Welcome to uh, Single-Minded Conversations. I am your host, Jesse Single. I'm a journalist and podcaster. I have a newsletter at jessesingle.substack.com. I co-host a podcast with Katie Herzog called Blocked and Reported. Um, you can check us out at blockedandreported.org. Our most recent one was uh, for premium subscribers. It was about people didn't notice this, but during the Oscars, there was this brief moment where one world-renowned superstar slapped another. Nobody paid any attention to this, but we, we found the footage and we uh, sort of broke that story wide open and talked about it a little bit. Um, so yeah, this call is going to be mostly just me taking whatever questions or comments you have, so feel free to jump in the queue. Um, the one thing I did want to say, joking aside about the slap thing, was it to me it was an interesting example of how racial essentialism just like makes everybody dumber and leads to really predictable and silly arguments. And I think anytime you criticize racial essentialism, um, people will immediately fire back that like, Oh, you're mad that people talk about race or you're mad people expose racism. But to me, like racial essentialism is, is pretty easy to define. And it's not that it's basically the idea that like in any human interaction, the most important, interesting thing to focus on is the racial identity of the participants. So you basically saw uh, BuzzFeed and a lot of others with these takes sort of implying that people wouldn't be interested in the slap or wouldn't have strong feelings about it if the people involved weren't black. Uh, to me, that that's, again, a form of essentialism because it, it seems pretty obvious that any scene broadcast to hundreds of millions of people where one very famous person slaps another very famous person, that is like the definition of what human beings are interested in. And in my view, this, this understanding that the way to fight racism is to just insert race in everything and, and turn everyone into symbols of the race... Um, has really taken over liberal institutions. I mean, it, there's always been some people who do that who are sort of obsessed with race, but I, I think it's sort of become the default mode of talking about stuff in a lot of spaces. And I think it is just um, tends to be very toxic and stultifying. It tends to make people stupider. And uh, I guess this was a sort of useful example of that. I, and also just like the, the the extent to which there are now all these people, myself included, who have brands and like you have to have a take on everything. It just – there's something about the discourse right now that is so exhausting and totalizing. And, and I think it's pretty unhealthy to be in a situation where you're expected to have an opinion on everything. That's why I stick to the – try to stick to the ridiculous jokes on Twitter, although I guess I'm falling into the trap now. Uh by expressing earnest views on this. But um, yeah, people should jump in the queue. I don't have a huge amount more to say on this, but basically racial essentialism is bad. Uh, and I wish people would find other better ways to talk about race. There's a million ways to talk about race without turning people into just avatars of their skin color. And I'm curious sort of who the audiences for these takes, like, like who is clicking on that Buzzfeed thing not as a hate click, but because they're like, yes, I think it's true that no one would care about this if there weren't black people involved. The only other, the other interesting angle was like sort of the anti-racist and racist horseshoe theory thing where you, you saw ostensibly anti-racist people basically saying like, this is a black thing. Black people slap one another when there's, when there's beef over this sort of thing, which is like, 
I don't know. I'm very confused about the um, the racial discourse right now, and I'm curious what people think about it. Um, the other thing on my plate is unrelated, and I shouldn't dive back into this, but I'm working on a piece about the research coming out about suicide and puberty blockers and hormones, and it's like sort of remarkable what's going on. Um, unfortunately, people are the same standards that prevail in other areas of social science. Uh, and this is something I wrote a book about seem to prevail here. So you have situations where people run studies, find that within these study contexts, um, there is no evidence that puberty blockers or hormones reduce suicidality or very weak evidence. And then they go ahead and publish papers and press releases uh, stating the exact obvious. And, it's surprising to me that people aren't more concerned about the um, potential ramifications of effectively distorting research on like an incredibly important and fraught subject. Because if you distort research on adolescent suicide, people are going to have a false understanding of what does and doesn't prevent adolescent suicide. And it's unfortunate that because we're in such a horrible, fraught, polarized moment for trans right and rights and because this genuinely horrible stuff is happening in texas and in other states um the texas one i really think is is the worst in part because they just went around the legislature but um i think i fundamentally don't buy the idea that you can't demand good science and you can't be critical of science unless like the political winds are blowing the right way i i think that's a really bad and foolish idea. And as I point out in the piece I'm working on, on some of the stuff that I hope will be up maybe early next week, like if you wait until the political winds are right to demand good science or to ask questions of public science uh, and science communications, you're just never going to have good science because th there's always going to be some excuse for why now is not the time to really look into the, the science of this. Uh, but you could just swap out puberty blockers and hormones for any other subject, for Let's say there was a popular new antidepressant and people said, well, you can't question the FDA's research showing this antidepressant works because there are malevolent anti-psychiatry forces trying to ban uh, that altogether. That that doesn't make sense. There will always be bad people holding bad opinions. And there's this tendency now, again, progressive faces to we can't give any quarter to the enemy. We can't, we can't make any argument about anything that any bad person could weaponize toward their own ends. And that's just, it's led to like a pretty, some pretty barren corners of intellectual life, at least on certain subjects. Cause, cause anyone can use any argument to support any view. Like scientific questions can't answer values questions in most cases. And a lot of this is about values. It's about how we treat people who, who want to be to uh, transition or, how seriously we take certain claims about the nature of identity. Science, the science, like, is the science. And it's not always straightforward, but they're usually, you can usually generate some sort of answer to a question of whether X treatment works for Y problem. And to find an answer to that, that doesn't look the way you want it to look. And to basically just distort it when the subject is adolescent suicide, I don't know, man, it drives me really crazy. And I think it's potentially harmful. So there'll be more for me soon on that. Maybe when, um, I finally get this piece up. It's going to be two pieces, um, but each self-contained. Maybe I'll talk about it on here. What is up, Colin? Hey, I want to pivot back to the slap because that's clearly the more con consequential uh, discussion between that and, and uh, puberty blockers. But um, 
Yeah, I listened to I listened to the uh, episode you and Katie did about it. Um, I do want to say that I Judd Apatow's uh, response was maybe a little um, alarmist, but I think that he probably was touching on a broader truth that remind me what he said all the takes have melted together oh yeah he he his response was that will smith could have killed him um which the chances of that happening are pretty low but i will say the chances of that happening aren't zero just because people don't have a real good sense of um the consequences of violence i think um, there, there are freak things that happen and you really don't know. I mean, Chris Rock is small, uh, almost 60 in relatively good shape, but you really, you, you really don't know what's going on. If he's, if he hits him in the jaw just the right way, he could just black out and, and hit his head. Um, it kind of reminds me of, I think 10 or so years ago, there was, I don't know if this was a national thing or if it was more an East coast Philadelphia thing, but there was a trend going on where teenagers would film their friends running up behind strangers on the street and just smack the them knockout. Them I, I wrote about that. In, in some, did you? There were like a few instances of it, instances of it, but I did a Columbia journalism review piece about how people sort of exaggerated how often it was occurring. And in one case, a nightly news segment that sort of, in my view, took a fear-mongering approach to the knockout game, saying these were random teens. They took video of an adult, not a teenager, in London who had attacked someone who had untreated schizophrenia and packaged that in with other supposed clips of the knockout game in a U.S. city. So things got a little bit fuzzy, and I think it was... I don't think it didn't happen, but I think it became a little bit of a moral panic at the time. But yes, punching someone, punching someone especially... I think we, we... Because there's so much punching... In mass media, people don't realize what a punch is. I'm, I've barely been punched except by my brothers. I've never been in like an actual physical fight. But a punch is a big deal. A punch can do serious damage. A slap, um, is it impossible that that would really harm Chris Rock? No. But I can understand why people thought that was like a little bit of an overreaction. Sure. Um, I, I, I can too. But I think once you take something that's not physical to a physical place, the the consequences of that it, you're it's fair game it's fair game to say that the dangerous. palm of his hand could have hit him in the in the temple yeah. and he could have dropped and smacked his head on the floor but the other interesting thing was like the the sort of i don't want to nutpick but it seemed like a significant number of people with big followings were also going the words are violence route and this is an interesting example of how if you take that very dumb idea seriously well if words are violence then it's okay to respond to violence with violence. Cause most people think that if, if someone starts a violent confrontation, the other person can punch back. So yeah, it's, it's, kind, yeah. it's kind of a rubber hits the road situation where, where it's, it's put up or shut up because there were words used and violence was used in response, which I don't think is right. And I think the words are violence thing is a, you know, crock of shit, but if that is what you believe, then maybe this this was an entirely appropriate reaction. I just think that that is sort of um, regressive. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah. Anything else called? No, that's all I had. All right. Thanks, um, Yep. Have a good one.
J-Mile, you are next. If anyone else wants to get in the queue, it is wide open at the moment. Questions, comments, observations about uh, my fashion sense. What's up, J-Mile? Jamile or J-Mile? Hey, Jesse. Uh, Jamile. Jamile. I should know that by now. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Hey, and welcome back from Cuba. Thank you. Viva la revolución. Um, I am... I had wanted to change the subject a little I um, and go to sort of your media brand. I uh, went through some of the old Primo um, episodes while you were on vacation, and it occurred to me that you guys have this thing you do where you'll mention a story of something that happened in the media, but not want to name the specific reporter or specific individual involved, and you'll bleep out their names. And it happens often enough that it's sort of a running gag. Give me, a, give me, an, just give me an example so I know because I'm having trouble. I know we've done that once or twice, but I can't think off the top of my head of what what it was about. Um, several times it's been in connection with specific people Katie used to work with, and other times it's been in connection with people um, back east who uh, had written you or people in New York who had written you about the Times or Don McNeil or some other story um, where there was a lot of, what do you call it, back channel communication? Yeah. Um, I don't know, it just, it happens often enough that's kind of a running gag. And I was thinking you could, um, like, instead of just beeping out the name, have some sort of sound effect or insert somebody else's name, like one of your uh, $20 a month and up subscribers. A kazoo or, right, $20. Yeah, it always frustrates me when I have to do that because the back channel stuff is fascinating and, and can explain a lot of what's going on in media right now. But, like, I'm not going to blow someone up like that. Like, I don't, I don't, if someone DMs me, I don't view it as, like, automatically off the record. But if they're confiding in me, they're concerned with something or like telling me something going on in their workplace, people are people are terrified that it's going to uh, come out that they've complained about this or that. I mean, I'm thinking of like this, this um, podcasting company, Gimlet, had like a total meltdown, and I was talking to someone about it. And, you know, from my perspective as a journalist and as someone who wants media to be better, it would be great if we could use this person's name and explain how at least some people within Gimlet feel about what's going on there. But... Uh, this person it, had no incentive to have their name attached to it because they want to keep their job and to not be made miserable by their colleagues. But also seems like there's a lot of situations where almost the majority of the people in an organization feel one way, but don't want to um, be don't want feel like they can speak freely. Yeah, that's a frequent problem. In this case, there was like this this gimlet blow up that led to the complete implosion of reply all which was one of my favorite podcasts was about a, a union vote and people were actually pretty divided according to the person i talked to about this union vote not because they were against unions or didn't want worker protections but because there were genuinely thorny issues regarding how the union went about um its attempt to to form itself and all none of this really got into mainstream coverage of the story because people prefer a story where you know, these evil people were um, ushered out because they're harassers and because and they don't. The story was. protections yeah. more important. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I'm just a. I, I, it would be funny if we did a kazoo or something. I wish we didn't have to do that as often as we did, but things are pretty crazy in media right now. Uh, you want a cheap joke about the slap before I let the next person on the line? Of course. 
I, what does I mean it could have killed him? I've been slapped multiple times by people of all races for very good reasons, and I'm still around. <laughs> I like it. Uh, thank you. Right, thanks, thanks Jamal. Uh, the, my Spanish is so bad that I wasn't able to – I mean, I talked to some Cubans. I speak like third-level Spanish, but I, I did try to read a lot about it while I was there before, and the Cubans have like really sharp-edged sense of humor – and one of the jokes was that after uh, – I, I might have already told it. My brain is fucking gone. I don't think I told this yet. But one of the stories was um, after Trump got elected and Fidel died not long after that. I think I have the timing right. Or he was seriously ailing. So the joke was uh, Fidel Castro always said that he would not rest until American democracy had destroyed itself. And then Trump was elected. So, <laughs> So that's like their kind of joke. Probably better than the original Spanish. What's up, Doug? Hey, Jesse. How you doing? Uh, so I, this is maybe something you've covered before and is slightly off topic. So uh, apologies in both cases. But I was wondering what your opinion on uh, Compact Magazine was, since it seems to be breaking a lot of uh, people's brains on Twitter. Yeah. I, I haven't looked too deeply into it other than seeing the, the brain breaking. I think – am I correct that it's sort of – explicitly identifies itself as like conservative, but anti-cancel culture or like traditionalist sort of. Yeah. It's a sort of weird alignment of like post. It's like Glenn Greenwald, Michael Tracy, Adrian uh, Vermeule. How do you, how do you Vermeule, uh, Ponte, Michael Tracy, Sora Bamari, you know, uh, that kind of crowd. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'm sure some of it will be interesting. I I think I'm a little bit skeptical about the ideological project and whether and to what extent there's like a there's a category of person who complains about cancel culture and liberalism who I don't I don't I mean the, the, I think Compact Magazine is explicitly anti-liberal anti a certain type of liberalism so like I don't I think a lot of these folks aren't actually liberals and don't necessarily believe in like have my senses of free speech. Um, they probably just want to ban different stuff. I don't, when I talk about, I don't mean like Tracy or Greenwald. I mean some of the other stuff. So I don't know. I, I, I rarely get excited about new publications these days, to be honest, because there's so few publications where I feel any urge to read them cover to cover these days. It's more like individual writers I follow, but you know, we'll, we'll see if it works. I'm, I'm always glad people are trying to launch new things. Yeah, and I, the last thing I'll say is I, I do think it, it covers a kind of growing interest in a previously unexpressed political alignment. Whether or not it's actually coherent uh, on principle is remains to be seen, I suppose. But it, it's worth looking at uh, if you haven't glanced at it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I will. The average, it's also like worth pointing out, the average American does not have politically coherent political views. Like the only, pe- the only tribes that think that that's the norm to have like a full – philosophy are like academic and journalists so i don't know maybe it'll better represent the people in that sense sure thanks jesse nice talk uh aa what is up aa you must unmute yourself or risk banishment well banishment is too strong a word all right i'm gonna take the next person if you get back in line i'll bump you to the front you sorry and what's up Hey, Jesse. Hey, I just wanted to take the opportunity to, on the the slap gate or whatever it's being called, just the, you know, the, the, the takes, the sheer volume and variety of takes on, on what happened. 
I think is just another piece of evidence of just how far gone the discourse has become because it really is not complicated to say that a comedian should not be physically assaulted for telling a joke, no matter how bad taste the joke may be. That's just not something that should ever happen. And it doesn't matter that the joke was about a woman and it doesn't matter that the slapper was black and it doesn't matter that the slap E was black. Like none of that matters. That's just, this is just an opportunity for everybody to load all of their culture war bullshit priors onto this thing. And that's why you're seeing like so much of this stuff get scrambled. You're seeing people defending it. Oh, this is great. Like whatever happened to toxic masculinity? I mean, if, if anything is an example of toxic masculinity, isn't it this? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. It's also interesting that like the, 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 power side of it um is interesting because she she could she has a lot of power she can defend herself it's like well if that justifies violence does it justify violence if dave Chappelle makes fun of a crackhead or an opioid addict which he has done i I don't really it's there's something weird about like the human brain and our sense of morality that like i guess because she was right there and because it was an individual being targeted we feel like violence is more okay but rationally that doesn't really make much sense because like she'll be okay no, she's one of the most, you know, famous, wealthy and privileged people, not only in the United States, but to ever have existed. Yeah. And it may have I can I can imagine that that joke might have hurt. I mean, her I don't family. think it was like a I'm, good I'm, or creative joke per se, but it was like sort of throwaway, I thought. No, exactly. And that was that was what Chris Rock said right after he was like, it was a G.I. Jane joke. Right. I mean, he was just sort of incredulous that it, it was that joke which which set off again one of the, you know will smith being one of the most beloved famous wealthy and talented actors of his generation i mean he's he is an american movie star with a capital m and a capital s and just the inability of people to say look that was wrong that he should not have done that end of story nothing but and, nothing can just be wrong everything has to be the biggest deal in the world and the response has to be the biggest deal in the world and that's why Right. But it, and it's just that uh, that's how I think you can tell that we're living in such an ideological and ideologically exhausted time is it's questions that really aren't that complicated. I mean, I know it's something of a, a leap, but to, to take it to the trans thing, it's not it's not complicated to say that trans people exist. It's not complicated to see that trans people are human beings who are worthy of respect and dignity. It's also not complicated to say before you give minors drugs and surgery, you want to make sure you've done a complete workup of any comorbidities, any psychological issues. Like, honestly, I don't think these are difficult questions. They're only made difficult because people feel the need to lather on their particular ideological bent to it. And I I think I may have said this on your show before, but I, I have come to the conclusion that I must be one of the crazy people. I must be like on the autism autism spectrum or something. Cause I just look at all these, my fellow human beings and I, I, I just like, you guys are fucking crazy. I don't understand this. Well, I all. mean, no, I've, I felt the same way, but it has that effect because we're, we're in these ecosystems where only the crazy people or not only the crazy people, the crazy people have the loudest voices and these ecosystems have their own norms. Um, about what is and isn't an acceptable opinion that are not really found anywhere else. I mean, I, I just always try to compare what can get you in trouble on lefty Twitter versus what can get you in trouble in America. And, and there's a huge gap there and it, it leads to some very. 
Yeah. And that's, that's honestly why I chose Yosari. And I don't know if you've read the book, but catch 22, um, you know, catch 20. I haven't yeah, somehow. I, mean, basically... I, I, I need to, cause it's supposed to be an app. I highly recommend it. It's a very, very funny book. Um, but it's all about how people act in uh, scenarios that are objectively crazy and what, what do you do? How do you get by in a world that's gone completely insane? Yeah. And so that's, you know, anyway, as always, I appreciate the time, Jesse. Thanks, Cesarian. A-A-B-B-B, I will bump you back to the front. Unmute yourself. Hello? Yes, got you. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. I wanted to call in to let you know that uh, yesterday, a popular politics Twitch Destiny. streamer by the name of Destiny. I saw this. Continue, yes. though. You, all, you did. Yep. It was, uh, you're talking about bringing you on, but I guess, so he he read your like your full article out loud because he read it before and he liked it. Um, so what what is your end of that? What do, what are you aware of? Uh, yeah, I got um, someone tagged me in uh, to something, and then I watched the clip where he. Well, I didn't watch the whole clip, but I saw he basically read the whole thing slash had a voice to text thing do it. I didn't see the part where he invited me on. I'd love to go on. I'm sure it's sort of a new and younger audience. So I think. Um, I should try to get his email address and see if. Um, oh yeah, yeah. In my opinion, you should absolutely love to. Get, you should go go on uh, for a lot of reasons. But yeah, he said like yeah. He, if you're interested in going on, he would like to talk to you. But he's a very interesting guy. I mean, I think that internet politics is kind of a complete shit show. Like it's it's horrible. And yeah, he he has the elements of this. Like he's just kind of a like, obnoxious type guy. But I I, I think he's like I cut of he really is. He has some. He's very intelligent, and he has some very interesting perspectives. Like he, he's one of the few people I think are even worth considering within the space. Um, but he also has a very particular, interesting history. So he started out on Twitch back when uh, I get it was the 2010s or like um, back when like there was the internet was more right wing, like sort of like the alt right even was way bigger. And he was arguing for like trans trans rights back when it was like really unpopular and he was his his thing is like he'd be willing to get into protracted sort of intellectual debates with like alt writers and stuff right that's exactly right and back when it was sort of more ascendant culturally and he kind of built sort of he was like one of the first people to do politics online like on twitch and streaming in general and he sort of built a a space for like left-wing or left-leaning kind of ideas and then and lately He's been, I mean, he's always been kind of a, a contrarian type person who's willing to say things that are unpopular if he thinks that they're important or true. And he's been getting completely smeared by people who are further to the left of him, who is like, even some of the same people who were on the right have flipped to the left, and then they've kind of attacked him to the left. And he got banned recently. Basically, the way Twitch works is it's very opaque about how they ban people. But the speculation at this point is he got banned for for, for saying that trans women should not be allowed to compete in women's sports. Yeah. Um, are you, are which you may, I mean, too? yeah, I, I'd heard that. Yeah. Um, that that's why people think he got banned, which is like, if that's true, it's another example of like, you know, maybe, maybe we'll think it's horrible. Anyone held that opinion 20 years from now, but it's a, the fact of the matter is a lot of people hold that opinion now. And if you're going to create spaces where you can't even utter mainstream opinions like jesus christ what what is left you're gonna just have the most boring content any anyway i um i i should uh maybe when i get off this i'll try to find his email and send him a note because i'd love to uh go on his stream and maybe i can interview him on blockchain reported 
That would be incredibly interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's also he's an interesting person to talk to about this because, I mean, I've I've been following both of you for a long time, and there's always felt like there's like this huge intersection of stuff, but you guys never sort of connected, or like there was never sort of a direct bridge. But the the types of things that you bring up, like I, you're, you seem to be, I mean, you both of you and him are sort of like people who are consistently left leaning liberal people, and who just are willing to make those positions and defend them, but also willing to say, you know, stuff on the left is a bit too far. Sometimes we're, we've kind of gone in a, in a direction that I think is, is not that great. And particularly recently, he's been sort of moving in that direction. He's been talking about these types of issues. So I think that, and, but he's also, I think, not familiar with a lot of stuff that you talk about. So I think it would be interesting for you to bring your perspective to him and see how he reacts to it. I should, uh, that's a good idea. I'm going I'm to do it. You push me over the edge and uh, I appreciate uh, the suge- suggestion. Okay, awesome. I can I can even send you his email, but yeah, could you uh, actually could you just send me a message with his email address just so I have it if you know it? via Colin uh, or or email either way I'll see it either way. Okay, I'll I'll do that. Cool. cool. Thank thank you very much. All right, bye. Joshua, what is up? Uh, after Josh, we're going to take Joseph, and that'll that'll be it for now. Uh, jo- no one else in the queue anyway. What's up, man? Hello, comrade. Welcome back. <laughs> Gracias. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I actually wanted to. I'm going to jump my, I was planning to throw a comment at the end and I kind of want to bring it to the front because I was talking about destiny. Didn't hear about that, but I really uh, wanted to throw in a comment on the end to say um, whether it's Twitch or YouTube, I think that there are mediums out here for you, Jesse, where you could exponentially grow. Uh, And as someone who works in the field of digital marketing and advertising, somewhere like being on a, uh, call in, I think is a very intimate experience and you're clearly building uh, a solid community here, but uh, I don't know if I can be direct, you know, like you have 37 amazing people here and 30, I feel like the, someone the like 37 best people, in the-, the best, the best, no terrific people genuinely, but someone like you, I think myself and I'm sure many of these people agree it's kind of a voice of common sense, uh, pun intended, um, in, in this world. And I think that if we want someone like you to be able to have a following and a reach, you're going to have to look at expanding to something like Twitch or something like YouTube. And I know that's kind of a difficult area because the truth is you're probably your demographics 30 and up and Twitch tends to lean younger. YouTube's a little bit of a mix, but um, I could really see you hitting uh, some and gaining more of a significant following on those areas. And I do think that someone like you, you know, needs that and deserves that following and should be heard. Thank you. No, I appreciate uh, that. I'm always uh, interested in experimenting in new areas. Um, if you want to send me more thoughts on that, I definitely read it. I will say like between the newsletter and the podcast and, um, a desire to potentially write another book. And I, I feel like I've been lucky that my platform has grown. I do think there's obviously a difference between that stuff. And like whenever destiny signs on to Twitch, it looks like he has five or 6,000 concurrent people, which is just a, a very different style. So um, yeah, no, I'd be, I'd be curious to think more about that and see if I could fit that into my schedule, which um, sometimes gets a little bit crazy just to, to fit everything in. But, but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the suggestion. Sure. I'll throw some ideas. I think that in marketing, we have a concept called 
bullseye marketing, which is, you know, you iterate and you test to find the channels that show you the most growth. And then the ones that do show you the most growth, you double down on because you have the limited bandwidth. Yeah. And because you are a single person and because we live now in a time where, you know, individuals are very much their brands, uh, which sounds horrible. Yeah, saying that's a lot, true. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's number one. The, the one that I really want to also touch on you is if you saw the John Stewart segment uh, recently on racism and it was just a very seemed pretty cringe. I saw clips of it. I was disappointed because I, I mean, whatever, a lot of people are falling for this is, it was basically white fragility, orthodox stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. And it, it seemed cult-like and it was, it was sad to see. Yeah. John... John Stewart and Stephen Colbert were both like really big influences on me. Colbert, you know, I watched like Strangers with Candy, this this bizarre but brilliant Comedy Central uh, sitcom with Amy Sedaris in like 2000, I think. So I don't know. I'm We're all getting older. We're all getting more lame. I'm sure it's true of me too. But it's just <laughs> when you have a platform like John Stewart's, you're going to give us the, the microwave race discourse from 2020. I, I just don't see the point of it. Does, does anyone think there isn't enough white fragility talk in the world? There's so many other voices he could highlight. Um, so I was a little disappointed to see that. Yeah, it, it was interesting to his credit. He he brought in someone like Andrew Sullivan. I think Andrew took it to the wrong area and allowed himself to be dragged in, you know, took it to a very kind of weird area of black culture, which I don't think is even necessarily the no, answer at all yeah. or that I agree with. But um, I, I mean, I feel like the right person there could have at least engaged him in a proper conversation on that. Yeah. Um, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out just so I can see what everyone's talking about. But uh, thank you for the call, Joshua, and for the right. suggestion. Appreciate it. Joseph, you are the final caller. What's up? Joseph, there we go. So let's do some brand synergy here, uh, and we're going to pivot from Twitch to video games. I love synergy. Right I, fucking, you- I fucking love synergy. You know that. Right before you got on call and you posted that tweets about that a polygon, I think yeah, it was, article. Was um, and so I have been playing through Mass Effect, and Mass Effect just got its legendary edition, its remaster. And what really kind of struck me is that Mass Effect, and particularly, particularly Mass Effect 2, has a shocking amount of, like, super overt uh, racism in that game. Inter-alien racism, right? Yes, like a ton of it. I mean, one of the companions that you have in that game, one of the first companions you get is somebody who willingly and happily participated in the creation of a disease that the game itself calls a genocide many times. Oh my God. <laughs> and you can like agree with this person on the creation and use of this illness. And I found it like very striking that that came out, but there's not really kind of that noise about it the way there is noise about other media that is like that has characters that are like tangentially problematic yeah and that kind of got me thinking like to what extent is the um 
is the issue really that the content is tangentially problematic? And to what extent is it that the content might just not be particularly great and people are taking content that they just don't enjoy very much and slapping on this weird reason onto the side. Oh, that's interesting. Well, so in the case of this Polygon uh, article about the new, uh, about Horizon um, Forbidden West, she's, Chris, I don't know if it's a he or she, Chris, they seem to just sort of like take all these it's it's like a post-apocalyptic game set in a post-apocalyptic America. So there's a lot of different cultures because there's a lot of different cultures in America. And Chris seems to just be mad at all these very little incidental aspects of the plot and even the set design of the game. So um, it doesn't even seem to be really complaints about the plot. I mean, one of them is like the different tribes call each other savages, which is exactly what you would expect in the, in a landscape dotted by different competing tribes tribes don't like one another they don't like other tribes so i had so much trouble i've read a lot of this sort of culture writing where i'm just like who is this for and why does anyone care about this i'm curious if these articles get any clicks other than like the hate clicks spread by ghouls such as myself but um i do think there's something to the idea that like people are very incapable of just being like i happen to dislike this piece of art it's not for me which is a very it's a healthy impulse to develop to just be able to dislike something and walk away without having to make a grand statement about it. But um, yeah, man, culture writing is so bad right now, especially in video games. Yeah, I, I think with the horizon stuff, like every part of that screamed to me, this thing just isn't working for me and I need a reason to not like it, particularly yeah. with horizon, which is a game that got its own weird uh, right-wing publicity over the fact that the main character is a woman with a beard. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. So everyone everyone yeah. just always needs to find something to be mad about. That's what it comes down to. And I think that actually makes the, like, grasping for reasons to dislike it, dislike Horizons, kind of more plausible because it is a game that, like, is like theoretically polygon coded, so to speak. It is a game that because right wingers had a problem with it, people who write for polygon are supposed to like. Yeah. So if you don't like it, you need a polygon approved reason to not like it. So So you find flaws and grasp desperately yeah. No, I think I think there's there's something in your theory. Uh, uh it's also bad. Anyway, uh thank you for the call, Joseph. I, I think that's a good point. Um all right everyone. So thank you guys as always for tuning in. I would just ask you if you like this to spread the word, tell other people about it. Um I am looking I'm physically looking right now at a book uh that I need to read at least some of because I might I'm interested in doing a uh, conversation with the author. I, I'm gonna be now that I'm Back in the States for a while, I'm going to be scheduling more of those author conversations because I like those. But yeah, I'm always open to your suggestions about what to use this space for, who to talk to, what to talk about. I think you know how to reach me at this point. So thank you guys for listening and I hope you have a good day. Farewell.